Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Washington State traveling to Eugene to play the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Jake Dickert is with us, Washington State coach. All right, uh, a question everybody's asking is, um, what is going on right now with, with the team? What do you see happening on the field? Well, I think it's just a combination of a lot of different things. You know, we got to control the things that we can control a little bit better, and that's our execution. You know, we're just getting out executed at the moment. Uh, went down in, in the Rose Bowl, had a had a tough result in the football game, and, and came back and really underachieved against a good Arizona team. So we got to get back on track. We know we're capable of playing good football. We've done it throughout this season, and we just got to get back to who we are and, uh, you know, relax a little bit, have a little fun, but be very disciplined, and, and that's a, a big part of our success. Yeah, that is a fine line, right? You want guys to be relaxed but focused. Um, you want them to be locked in but play a little bit loose. Um are teams defending you differently, or, or is that ha- strategy, gamesmanship, any of that going on? Well, I think so. I think there's a lot of great coaches out there, John, and, you know, our offense is, is going to operate the way we do, and we want to throw the ball and we want to take it downfield. Uh, we just got to be multidimensional. Right now we've been a little reliant on the pass. Uh, a lot of people are going a little bit more three-down drop eight and force for us to run the football, and we got to do that more effectively and we have to take care of the ball you know six turnovers or seven turnovers in the last two games isn't going to win you football games in this league so we recognize that we've looked at areas to you know get better and it starts with me and putting our guys in the best situations possible to have success yeah and i think too the i guess the blessing or the silver lining is this is a conference where everybody's going to be playing everybody there are no easy outs i think you're going to see some crooked numbers in the loss columns for some teams uh, you see Oregon on film. You probably watched the Oregon-Washington game. What did you make of that one? Well, I think it's two obviously really high-powered football teams going at it at the highest level of competition, and it's it's fun to watch, observe. You know, I think this Oregon team is very talented, but you see Coach Lanning just imprints on the whole roster and just the style and physicality in which they play. Uh, and you you get a bunch of talented guys, and they play a bunch of them. Uh, playing that hard, you're going to get a lot of great success, and they have elite quarterback play. So you mix all that together, you get one of the best teams in the country. You know, analytics say this is the most uh, you know points possession team in the country and, and the top five efficiency of defense. So they're a complete team. It isn't just one side or the other that dominates. Um, you know, so you got a well-versed team, and you got to be at your best to try to beat them, and especially for us to go on the road and do it will be a, a high challenge. You as a coach, you're in a position, as you know, every other coach in the conference is, where you are evaluating whether to go on fourth down, whether to take the points. Uh, you know, Dan Lanning this week kind of defending himself, saying you know, he believes in his guys, he likes going for it in those situations. Do you have a philosophy that you adhere to, or is it analytics-based? Is it gut? How do you decide whether you're going or not going? Well, I think it's one of those things, John, where you get the book. Uh, we go through that during the week just like everyone else goes through their process, and you make a decision. I mean, we know fourth and one all over the field, we're going. We feel like we can get that yard, and that's not a surprise. Uh, and then every other situation is uniquely different. The book will recommend something, and then you have to have a feel because what the book doesn't understand is an ebb and flow of the game. Is it 50 to 49 or is it 3 to 2? Those are two different situations. Uh, so we analyze that as we continue to go through. That's my number one job. 
And the decisions that the head coach makes comes with great responsibility. We all know that. But I trust in our guys as well to go out there and do it. I think we were, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like four or five in last year's Oregon game because we know we had to get aggressive and we couldn't settle for field goals to beat these guys. So there's a lot of situations and circumstances that go into it. That's what makes college football great, though, John, is that we're willing to look at ways to try to create an advantage. And, you know, our offense is going to have to stay out in the field and keep converting. That was our recipe for success last year, and we'll we'll try to replicate that. Yeah, they score a touchdown, you know, in that first or second possession, they're going for two. You see that on film. What are they trying to do there? You know, and we've gone for two or three times as well this year. You're trying to uh, get the opponent a little bit on the heels because even, you know, you go and you take an 8-7 to seven lead, even though you both scored a touchdown one time, you know, there's a distinct mentality advantage to being up that point. And if they have to try to chase you and then you get the stop, you know, there's different ways to try to create advantages. So, um, like I said, I think it's what makes college a little bit unique, people willing to try and step out of the box and do those things. Uh, the fun part or the challenging part, depending on how you look at it, Oregon's done it through those gate formations, which can be extremely challenging on defenses. So it's one of those things where it's an exciting part of our game, and you're just trying to create a little bit of edge for your football team. This uh, this season, obviously, you guys rallied, especially in the early part of the season, around the idea that you belong. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, it's it's not been as successful on the field. But is, is that a message that you guys are still talking about in the locker room, do you, are you still playing with a chip on your shoulder? I think Washington State for over 100 years, John, has played with a chip on its shoulder. That didn't <laughs> just start in the last six months, yeah. uh, if, I'm, if I'm being completely honest. So um, I don't think that's anything new. I don't think doubting us or thinking we can't do something is anything new. So uh, I think if you're in our locker room or in our program, uh, you know, that's something that you inherit and you know, and it's got to be a part of who you are because it's not going to come easy. We've got to do it the hard, tough way, and this is just another situation where we've got to prove who we are. Yeah, I didn't like, uh, you know, look, I, I understand you had your back and forth and you talked to Coach Corso after the whole game day blow up, but, you know, I didn't like people who didn't understand what was going on in the conference making Oregon State and Washington State the butt of any kind of joke. Like, it, it's too real to people in the Pacific Northwest. It's too, it's painful. People are anxious about things, and, you know, I was glad to see that you kind of settled that with Coach Corso. Did, was that a good conversation that you had with him? Did he? Did you both leave with an understanding? Well, I think for me, John, it was always about the bigger narrative. It was never about one person, one comment. You know, it was the fact that, you know, th- these decisions that are mostly out of our control affect a lot of people, period. And that was the, that was the basis of ever having a reaction to anything and wanting to give a voice uh, to those people. That's the whole reason... You know, I did that. It wasn't really anything towards what he said. Um, it was just towards making sure we understand that this affects a lot of people, and we're proud of who we are as Cougs. Uh, we're proud to be in the Pac-12, and we always have for a long time, and it's disappointing to get this kind of result. What do you need out of Cam Ward at the, at the quarterback position on Saturday? Be him. Be him and nothing more. And I think that's, that's really important for all of our players. You know, relax. And we started a conversation talking about that play within ourselves, trust that everyone's going to do their job, and keep fighting all the way through it. And just get back to being decisive with the football, delivering it to where we need to be, and go be you and play the way you need to play the game. Uh, I think he's worked a lot on his intangible pieces and his footwork and his techniques, 
And we saw a lot of really early great results from that, and, and let's get back to that. Because the best part is the 4-0 team is still there. The guys that have had success in scoring points and touchdowns are still in that room. So uh, it's been a little challenging the last couple of weeks, but let's accept that, let's attack it, and let's keep moving. You're a straight shooter, so I'm just going to come right out with it. Your team hasn't looked the same as it did in the early part of the season. There's something that's not quite right. One of the prevailing theories that's out there is that you know, you've had some success and some other schools are interested in maybe hiring you away. Have you had contact with other schools during the bye week? Did you meet with Michigan State? Did you talk with Michigan State? Did you talk with any other school? Is any of that going on? I have not talked to a single person, not just in the bye week, but any week, uh, John. And, you know, I love being here, and I don't need to defend my position here at Washington State. This is the job that I'm here to do and to move our program forward and into the future. So we're excited about that, uh, and that's all been our only focus really the whole time. Yeah, and I think it's – I mean, these conversations, look, I'm, I'm familiar with it because it's happened at Oregon. You know, Mario Cristobal has success. Of course, people are going to call. Dan Landing has success. People are going to call. Jonathan Smith, his phone's going to ring. Your phone's going to ring when you have success. And it's one of those things as a coach where you're in a weird position because this is your team, right? You're loyal to your team. You're loyal to your guys. You recruited them. You coached them. And then, you know, you have some success. Naturally, some people in other parts of the country are going to notice it. And uh, that's that's such a weird thing, though. You probably don't think about that when you get into coaching, that, hey, I'm gonna, one day I might have to answer this question to some radio honk in, in Oregon. Yeah, I have I've not really thought about that if I'm if I'm being honest. It's one of those things where, you know, I'm just over two years into being a head coach and I'm proud <laughs> of what we've navigated through because it hasn't been easy in my four years here at Washington State and all I've done is just tried to be authentic to the way I think we should run a program and work my tail off. And you know, we're still building. You know, we still are in year two. I remind people that all the time. And we've had some really good results and we have some opportunities where we can have better results. So I do think, John, it is part of it, uh, but it says a lot about what our program is doing, and uh, everyone involved should be really proud of that, coaches, players, staff, everybody. All right, so to put it to rest, it's not just Michigan State. You say you didn't talk to any schools over the bye week. That's not part of the distraction. That's not happening right now. Yeah, I haven't talked to any schools ever, John. So I'm, I'm excited okay. about this opportunity this week uh, against a really good Oregon team. The meat of this season right now, you're in it, and this home stretch, very important. Do you set goals at different parts of the season? Do you set a goal every week? I mean, how do you handle sort of like the goal-setting part of your job? I'm not a big goal guy, if I'm being completely honest, because I think goals a lot of times in life people reach them and then they just fail, right? They just stop working. Uh, you know, I – I think at this point, John, to your question, we hit pause, all right? The, the season is a long journey. Yeah. So far, we're four and two. Let's, that is good success. Let's not act like we're, we're a two and four or oh and six football team. So you got to see the big picture. That's my ultimate job. Sometimes when you're just in that fight, in that journey, in that, you know, that grind, you don't see the big picture of, okay, we are four and two. There's only been about 13, 14, 15 teams in Washington State history to win eight games. So just take them one at a time and keep stacking up one and O's. You're going to create a lot of success for yourself and your team. So there isn't as much like goal. We need to try to hit this or hit that. Uh, obviously, we've created a standard that we want to go to a bowl game here. And then if you continue to just work on winning games one at a time, let's let the chips fall where they may. So that's been our attitude the whole time, and that's been our focus. When I look at Oregon, it's easy to talk about Bo Nix. 
But I think Bucky Irving might be their MVP. He does a lot of little things and does them well, and he's a guy that produces for them. What do you? What What makes Bucky Irving successful? Well, John, good job. You're watching the tape. I like this. I like this. Um, <laughs> he's he's very versatile. Because I, I would agree with you, and I, that's not a knock to Bo Nix. That guy's been unbelievable. Uh, but the running game, the pass game, his versatility. You know, try bringing him down with one guy. It's really, really hard. You know, I think he's creative and crafty and, and can do a lot of things with the football, and he's a big play guy every time he touches it. So they use him in a variety of different ways. They have the short, quick motions. They scat him out. He's great between the tackles. He's great on the outside zone. I think there's a lot of things where you can't really box him in is that this is the one thing he can't do. I, at least I haven't found it yet through the first three days of studying him. So uh, him and Franklin, I think, are the, the big pay, play guys. And, you know, the offensive line in general – I know it's finally we aren't playing some of those guys that we've seen for five, six, seven years, it feels like. <laughs> right. Uh, but they've done a really good job of filling in, and they're really physical. So, once again, Coach Lanning's imprint is on this team, and, and uh, Bucky Irvin has been phenomenal. Yeah, I had, a, I had a, a Derek Anderson who played in the NFL, played quarterback at Oregon State. He texted me during the Oregon-Washington game, and he says, you know, gosh, Oregon looks more physical to me than they have in the past. Do you see that on that offensive line, that they're very physical? Oh, they're very physical. It's their calling card. And uh, it's just the, the one. I mean, they've slowed the pace maybe down a little bit to let those guys play fresh, and they come off the ball without hesitation. And that's a staple that I think is just in their program at both sides of the line of scrimmage. And you don't just see it on O-line. You know, I, I believe they play like 15, 17 guys on the defensive line, and they just keep rolling them in there, freshing, and they all attack. So... Just one of those things that's an impressive part of what this program does. All right, Coach, I will see you at Autzen Stadium. Uh, I think a lot of Washington State fans will be pleased to hear that you're not talking to somebody else. You know, It's one of the conspiracy theories that's floating around out there, and so I'm glad that you uh, came on and talked about it, so I appreciate that. I know that's not, not ever uh, never easy stuff to deal with, but uh, eager to see your team and, and uh, see what you guys uh, bring to Autzen Stadium. Absolutely. It's time to respond. We got knocked down last week. We're going to get up and keep fighting and excited about uh, you having me on and go Cougs. All right, there's Jake Dickert putting it to rest. Washington State will play at Oregon on Saturday. Dickert saying he has not had contact with other schools by week or any other time. It, it's one of the prevailing theories that's floating around out there that, that Michigan State or somebody else is talking to Dickert and that there's some distraction in the locker room or there's something else going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it could be. But, again, we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old kids and trying to get consistency out of them. But something's different about Washington State's team. Is it the way people are defending them? Is it their lack? Is their focus? I don't know. Um, they're just not playing well. They're not the same team that they were in the early part of the season. Let's see what they look like against Oregon. Do they come to play, as Washington State historically has, you know, particularly at Autzen Stadium? Mike Leach used to bring some teams in there that would really compete. Will Washington State show up to compete? Now, I think it's a tall order to ask Washington State to beat Oregon at Autzen Stadium in particular this season. But I do think it's important that Washington State plays well and looks like a team that is regrouped even in defeat. I know Washington State fans don't want to hear that, but... If you look down the stretch of this season, there's still a nice season out there for Washington State. It's the possibility of an eight-win season or a nine-win season out there for them. Well, can they find it? 
keep an eye on them on Saturday. And and further, will Oregon look a little sleepy coming off a loss against Washington? I, I'm curious to see how Dan Lanning's team will respond to some adversity and you know the aftermath of that game. The, you know, Oregon looked a little flat coming out of the Colorado game going into Stanford. Remember that? Well, let's see how they look this week coming out of a very emotional loss to Washington and entering a, you know, a Pacific Northwest rivalry game, part two, against Washington State. Our big splash is coming up. I want you here for it. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. friend of mine uh, listening to the Jake Deckert interview texted me. I asked him, uh, you know, do you believe uh, do you believe what Jake Deckert said as he said during the interview that he um, he has not had contact with Michigan State. He has not had contact with other schools. A friend of mine replied to that and said they're paid liars. They have to be. <laughs> and, and I got to ask you, Stephen, you heard Jake Deckert like his team clearly looks distracted looks different on the field they haven't been able to execute everybody's kind of blaming it on the fact that like somebody magically has figured out how to defend cam ward how to you drop eight defenders you rush three that's how you do it like they people did that to mike leach too and he found a way it feels like there's something else going on at washington state in the last two three weeks dickard says it's not that he's out job hunting he says he hasn't had contact with other schools hasn't had contact with Michigan State. Do you believe him? I don't because I agree with your friend. Like, they are paid liars. They're never going to tell you the truth. I think I've learned that, you know, so many times just watching this type of thing go down. I just don't believe people in sports. I think that they're liars um, and they're doing what's best for them. But I don't blame them also because I think he looks at it like this. You know, Washington State was undefeated. They came off the win against Oregon State and they go on the road to UCLA. You know, we were talking about how important that game is. And is Washington State a true contender? And they just kind of, you know, the the final score wasn't indicative of how the game was. They got blown mm. off that field by UCLA. Then the next week they come home and they get blown off the field by Arizona. That's kind of what Washington State is, right? So I think if you're Jake Dickert, like, yeah, it's a great spot to be in. The fans love you. You can have a good career there at Washington State. But if you're looking to be, you know, a contender for a you know a Big Ten title or a college football playoff, or now the fact that Washington State and Oregon State are the Pac-2 of course he's going to be looking for another job. And I don't blame him. I don't think I don't think anyone would blame Jonathan Smith for being like, you know what, I don't know if I want to be at Oregon State because of the Pac-2 thing. I'm going to look to go to a bigger school or even the NFL or something like that. Like, I think we're, there's so much unknown right now in college football that I don't blame people for looking. If you're Washington State, you're Oregon State trying to get to a better spot. Like That's just the way it is. It's, it's the haves and the have-nots, and right now they're on the have-not side. And I don't trust anything the Pac-12 is going to do. If you're going to the Mountain West – Jake Dicker and Jonathan Smith may be too good to be coaching in the Mountain West. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe him. I think he's out there looking for jobs, and I think it does have to do with the distraction of maybe how Washington State is playing. They kind of reached their, their ceiling here this season, and there's really no much higher. So what is he going to do, just stay there and be content? I don't think so. Well, I think in his case, all that what you said may be true, but he has preached with his team unity, us against the world. He said in that interview, Washington State's been playing for a decade with a chip on its shoulder. He's preached, we belong, we belong, we belong. If his actions during the bye week show 
that he is looking elsewhere. He has one foot out the door. I think it's far more damaging than a coach like you know Mario Cristobal, who we all kind of suspected might want to go home at some point. Um, you know, I think it's a more dangerous place for Jake Dickert to li- to, li- to to live because if his team catches wind of that, they're going to lose faith pretty quickly. Now, I don't know if it's like I want to believe him. Like I want to be the last sucker in the room. You know, it's a if it's a Ponzi scheme, I'm I'm the one who goes, hey, hey, no, no, this is real, this is happening. Like I want to believe that Jonathan Smith and Jake Dickert both see the value in the places they're at. But I know Dickert, like in his heart, he's a Wisconsin kid. He's a Midwest kid. That's where he grew up. That's you know where, where his history is. And I think at some point. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.